Thank you for listening to or watching the Upland Down Under podcast. Tonight's show is recording live on Wednesday, the 20th of September at 7.30 p.m. AEST. On tonight's show, we're going to catch up on some crypto and Upland market news, of course, and then dive headfirst into some general Upland news, including checking in on the September neighborhood ratings collection battle. Uh, the Tokyo City Hall is under construction. The upcoming Stock Car Pro Series bundle sale is happening at 2 a.m. tomorrow morning, my time or our time. Um, what else have we got? The Totem Reveal, Chapter 2. That looks pretty cool. We'll also have a segment from Swali about treasure hunting. And tonight's main topic will be all about getting prepared for crate season 2023. Are you ready to grumble? I am. We've also got some additional Web3 and Meet Sudiverse news to cover, equips on user-generated content manufacturing, and, of course, I'll be outlining a new weekly contest challenge for the NBA server. We'll let more on this, the Upland Down Under podcast. If you're wondering how you can take part in the live recordings of this podcast, well, you have to be in the NBA server. What's that, you ask? Well, the link to that is in the description. I drop the link to the Zoom every Wednesday night at about 7.15 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, unless it's like tonight and I'm running late. So if you're interested, jump on in. So let's check out the Breaking Badly news and see what's currently happening in some of the crypto and upland markets and kind of fair bit happening, not much happening all at the same time. It's a bit all over the shop. Let me just move Zoomy out the road. So what do we got? Global crypto market cap still just refuses to go under the 1 trillion. So my bank account size, a bit of relief. So I'm not going to start dollar cost averaging. It's actually up 3.7%. Bitcoin dominance is also up. A smidge was 49.1%, now 49.2%. Um, Interesting, that's not really reflected in the coins, though. Bitcoin, well, it is up at 4.3%, 27,000. But everything else is up, too, except for Avalanche, ABAX, and the ones I cover. Ethereum up 3.1%, uh, now over 1,600. Wax up a smidge, a, well, 8% boost, but it's um, fractions of a penny. Uh, engines up almost 2%. Ripple's up 8.5%, back over 50 cents. Solana's had a big boost back, over 10%. Um, flirting with $20 again. EOS is trying to crawl back from pretty much where it was headed, Oblivion. So it's up 5.6%. Polygon, similar, 6.1%. Cardano is back to $0.25. Cents. Tron's always chugging along. Flow's up a little bit. AVAX is down 0.2%. That's probably, if I had looked at that probably five minutes later, it probably would have been 9.15. It was jumping around all over the place. So you take that one with a grain of salt. Shiba Inu is up 2.9% and good to see Gala um, up fractions as well, up 2% too. So there was plenty of speculation that we we're going to get down with the Gala under a penny, but see what happens. Um, fear and greed index was 34 into the fear last week, back into neutral this week, 42. So keep an eye on that one. But yeah, bit happening, not much happening. I just wish we would get to the bottom. I want to see just blood in the streets. Everybody go, oh yeah, this is definitely it. And then we can start rebuilding from that. But I don't know. I'm still very much treading cautiously at this stage. Um, if you're a dollar cost averager or something like that, good on you. What am I going? I'm sharing the wrong thing. I was trying to scroll up. There we go. Maybe now to do it. What's happening in Upland? So 90-day averages still slip sliding away. The transaction volume down 1.1% again. Fairly steady drop there. 90-day average trading volume down 3.8%. 
Um, getting very close to under 2,000. We'll watch that one like a hawk. Unique active wallet still hovering around the 52,000 mark. Uh, totally on the minted property. So we had 2,172 properties or thereabouts minted through the week. And percentage of properties still locked on 92%. Um, I had a bit of I had a bit more time this afternoon when I was looking through the stats um, on UPX land. And uh, now, as I said last week, take some of these numbers with a grain of salt because I'm not going to go through all of these cities and double check all of the all of the flaws. Um, I just copy and paste from their overview data. It is fairly accurate, but it's not 100% foolproof like um, Detroit, London, I think uh, Rio down there as well. That has a bunch of properties on the floor that kind of mess it all up, lock properties, jail properties. Um, people, when they delete their account, it sits there like a ghost property, so some of them are jacked. But I've still, I'm still marking these as green and reds or light green, light red. And what that means is I am somebody who buys properties for UPX and flips for USD which is something I'm going to get back into probably in the next week or so. I I got back to my savings target, as we talked about last week. I've been trying to avoid buying anything and just try and save, save, save. So I've hit my savings target, so now I can start dabbling back in that again. So if you're in that game, the, the best value at the moment is to buy Detroit for 4600 and flip for $3. It's always hard. Once the once that hits the floor of $3... Um, kind of becomes very difficult to start selling out at that point um if if you are buying for us uh, for upx itself for usd it's about volume um the margins are typically not great and you know i'd rather sell uh two or three san francisco's in you know 48 hours and get you know a, a little bit of a boost there but you're going to get some better value in detroit but it might sit there for three four five days a week as I said, it's, pre it's pretty hard once it sits that hits that three dollar mark because instead of one or two properties sitting on the floor, there's you know sometimes 20, 30, 40, 50. So, so probably out of those ones, I'd be looking more at Buenos Aires. That's that's a bit more decent. Buy for six thousand five hundred UPX and sell for just under four dollars. That's pretty good. But again, um, I'll have to play around and see with how fast they actually move. And what's the other one I've got there? Queens buy for five thousand two hundred. Again, that's on the three dollar floor. So. On the flip side, if you're, and then I've marked um, London as red because that's the worst. If you were to buy for UPX 36000 and try and sell it for $13.50, well, yeah, that's a lot of UPX to go on for not more, much USD. But as I keep saying, if you're on the flip side, if you're somebody who can buy for USD and flip for UPX, um, good on you. And that's your best opportunity there. Again, don't know about how move, how fast they move. What's Manhattan doing Manhattan's down 3% on the UPX and flat on the USD. So they tend to move pretty quickly, depending on how low this floor gets. San Francisco, that's my main focus when I'm buying and selling. Very similar to last week, down 3.4% on the UPX, which makes it a bit cheaper for me to buy and pretty flat on the USD. So when I see that, I go, thank you very much. And I'll probably gobble a few of those up after I get done with this show. Anything else jumping out? Let's have a look. Any double digits? Arlington down 11.8% on the UPX, now under 13,000. That's right. Everyone else is pretty flat. Dallas, what have we got there? Up 14% on the USD, was $6 last week, up to just under seven. That's pretty healthy. Kansas down on both 
$3.99 last week, $3.70 this week. Um, LA still flirting with that, going, going back down to the $3 mark. So it's down almost 10% as well. Was well, $3.50 last week, $3.20, as I just said. And what else? Rutherford. Ooh, Rutherford's still getting pumped. Sorry, when I say pumped, I mean the opposite. Getting dropped, I should say. Uh, so buy for 28000 UPX, you can sell for just under $13. No, that's not terrible. But 10% drop on the UPX price from last week. And Santa Clara's had a 10% boost on the UPX, was just under 27000 last week, up to 30000 this week. So I don't know. Not a whole lot happening there. Tokyo's flat. Not a whole lot happening. But yes, as I said, I'm going to get back into the into the buying with my dividends and selling for USD because I'm hoping to get um, in on some of the totem action. I won't make the same bonehead move that I made last time, and it was interesting. I put put that out as its own clip and as a short, and it was surprising. There was three or four people said, yeah, I did the exact same thing. And again, should know better, but it's very easy to make that mistake. So just a reminder that if you do want to buy with your USD Tilia balance, you cannot do anything on the mobile on the mobile app version, if you touch anything as far as your where you are in the lineup for the live sales, and then you realize, oh crap, I meant to do that on the web-based version, you're gonna get you're gonna get slammed. It resets your waiting period basically. So I don't know. There's a few people in. Anything else on your radars? Buying, selling. What are you up to, Swali? You said you're gobbling up coins still. Nice. Yeah, the properties continue to just keep. Popping up for three bucks, well under fifty percent mint. So I'm expanding my web as every day goes by. So I am over a thousand in coins now. Nicely done. Yeah, that's all. Um, I should be able to report. I'll play around with a few different ones. I'll buy a few Dallas's. I'll buy a few here and there, and I'll, I'll see how I go. See how things fast things move. And that brings us on to the neighborhood ratings, if I can get the right button again. This one, there it is. So Monero is still way out in front. Currently, their score is 13.329. Midtenter is still hiding at number two, which was interesting because we did have a bunch of um, MetaVentures just get approved. I know Monero had a whole swag load of them approved. There was an extra one in Midtown Terrace. I got an extra... Uh, what was it? The random legit shop. I just opened one of those. Didn't seem to change things at all, really. So um, we're definitely not going to make a run this month. Not sure about next month. Play it by ear. See what happens. But yes, looks like um, I don't think there's anybody that's really going to give them give Monero a run for their money this late in the stage in the game. But we'll wait and see. That's all that's happening there now. Normally, I'd go over and have a look at Rock Drigo's charts, but I tried to pull them up three times before and. For whatever reason, it just wouldn't load. Didn't want to know about it. So we'll leave it at that. Um, it wasn't last week, I don't think. It was Was it a couple of weeks ago. I said, oh, have a look at this property. Um, I think there might be something here, something happening here in Tokyo with the City Hall. And, well, what do you know? Through the week, we did have, have a look at this mammoth, mammoth thing here. Um, so this is the Tokyo City Hall property. As I said, it's just out the outside of the um, Shibuya city line. So this is actually in Shinjuku. 
And yes, City Hall is underway. It is a monstrous big bloody thing and just an absolute crap ton of spark hours to go on this one. So I don't know if you're one of those people that have spare spark just sitting around doing nothing, maybe you could jump on and help out because I'm definitely, I'm ready to go, raring to go to apply for another MetaVenture in Tokyo. And nobody can do that, of course, until this one's built. So I don't know. What do you think about the size on this one, Lily? You're somebody who has a very cool, very tall structure, uh, UGC structure in the game. What do you think about the size of this bloody thing? I think it's huge. But honestly, did they do something to the zoom level? Because I noticed that I'm zooming into the apartment buildings now when I zoom in on a property. It's going inside the apartment. So I don't know what's happening. Oh, you mean like if you, if I've got to do it with my fingers. If you zoom here, you're going through the building. Yeah. Mm. So it's inside my view range now, whereas you could always see the roof before. Wild. Oh, my lappy doesn't like it when I do that. I noticed it in Tokyo. So maybe it's just Tokyo. Tokyo's low to the ground. So I don't know why. I'm going to X out of there before my lappy wigs out. Yeah, it's um interesting. It is a bit unfair, though, that they've got a building that's so big after what they did to the last lot of entries when they hit the game. Yes. Now, I did um, – I actually, through the week, I started construction on uh, – is it is it called a lily tower? Is that what they're called? Yes. Yeah, so I started another lily tower in um, the financial district of San Francisco. I've got four big properties there, and I have a lily tower on one of them, and I thought, oh, well, I'm um, – I've have a bit of spare spark kicking around and I I decided to put another one up. But the footprint, I thought they fixed up the footprint on that. It's still just nope. ridiculous. It's obnoxiously bad. Yeah. So of the four, you know, massive properties I have in the financial district, I can only put, put them up on two of them, which really sucks. It does, yeah. Um, I bought a property that should definitely have taken it before it came out and unless you were the, there when it got released within the first hour mm. um, then you couldn't build it with that size you've never been given any explanation as to why nope other than they won't be changing it <laughs> wow that doesn't make any sense I mean if, if you go and have a look at the, the Tokyo City Hall building like for how tall that is like if the justification was okay if you're gonna have a really tall structure well the footprint needs to be somehow equated to that well have a go and have a look at the Tokyo City Hall one that doesn't make any sense at all it pretty much takes up the entire footprint of the of the bloody of the property so yeah see I in my head I already allowed for the footprint to be like almost twice the size mm. But then it came out, and it's three times. Yeah, I forget. It's the length, isn't it? I don't think it was the width wasn't yeah. the problem. It was the length. The width is okay, kind of. But, yeah, the length is ridiculously bad. Mm. Sucks. Not Especially good. when most of the properties in San Fran, who's, who are big enough to fit it, are dead accounts. Yeah, there is... There is a hell of a lot of dead accounts in San Fran. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and they, they all set them for like two two to five million epics and left the game. <laughs> yes. Um, I'll just check. 
let's see here. Let me just go into San Francisco. And so, yeah, I've got a property that's, I mean, they're not monstrous, but they're definitely, like, they're full block properties. So this is a property on a full block. It's 237 yep. up squared. The mint price was over a million, and, yeah, it won't fit on that one. The other one's the same, full block. It's a full block property, 250 up squared, and it can't fit on that one. And as I always say with these things, the kicker is if you go to Street View and you look at it, well, what's on there? A freaking ginormous, monstrous, bloody high-rise building. So, mm -hmm. yes, it's not cool. But, yes, that, that looks good. Um, as I said, the, the Tokyo City Hall building, um, I speculated that that means we're probably going to expand into – um, Shibuya, oh, sorry, Shinjuku. Um, will that come to fruition? Who knows? Um, but apparently it's the same deal in London. Somebody said, oh, it's the same thing in London. The city hall is not actually in the part that's released. So I'm, I'm not 100% aware of that myself, but maybe that is the case. Don't know. I have to wait and see. But yes, I'm raring to go to get my the Samurai Aquatic Showroom open in Tokyo. Although in saying that, um, the factory in San Francisco for Samurai Aquatics is starting to fill up again. And I just keep looking at it and looking at the amount of decor that's piling up, piling up and just shudder at the thought of having to move every single one of those one at a time. So I've been um, ignoring it and it's going to bite me in the ash. <laughs> so more on that later with what I said about the crate season to come up. So, what else is happening this week? Now, I mentioned that the Tokyo, oh, sorry, not Tokyo, the Stock Car Pro Series next series of bundles is kicking off very soon. Um, originally, I was going to try and get up and have a go at these. I didn't last time, but then I realized by the time I get done with this show and get everything uploaded, it'll probably be about 11 p.m., go to bed for a 2 a.m. alarm clock and then have to go back to bed for 6 a.m. alarm clock to go to work. And I was just like, you know what? No, I'm going to sleep through this one. What about you guys? You getting up? Staying up, Lil? Yeah, I'll be working. Yep. I'm not sure I'm going to buy any, though, because I'm saving up for a huge property. Yeah. And if I do that, then it'll put me back another week. Yes. Which my spark will be lazy because I'm... A spark finished a property today. Oh, did it? Um, so, hmm. Yes, you've got to have your goals. So what can you actually get? So stock car bundles, it seems to be pretty much the same as the last one they had. There's Essential Bundles, Starter Pro and Pass. Now, I think we talked about it um, last time you were on, Lily, that wouldn't it be great to have a register for all button? I... I registered for all of them just in case, both the UPX sales and the USD sales. And I think I think I had to do 27 captures for all of them. That's bloody annoying. So, yes, stock car, Pro Series cars. Um, now, if you want to get one of these cars, you have to get... You have to get one of these passbacks. Some of the lower ones, there is a, there is a slightly better chance or a chance to get one of those passes. Um, it's one of those FOMO things like, are you going to get invested in this? Are you going to actually do it? If not, why are you buying them? Are you buying to flip them? Probably not a bad idea. Um, but then we do see a lot of cars go for for um, under mint price on the USD side too. So I don't know. The legit side of things uh, doesn't really interest me, but I'd, I like the um, 
the mementos. Now, what did you say you got? You got a really good Rubens Barrichello one. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so I don't know. If I happen to wake up and, I don't know, go to the toilet or something, I might take a look, but I'm definitely not going to set the alarm, put it that way. Yeah, I'm probably likely to find my win at the last minute because I did register in case. If you get a good spot, yeah. Yes. That's it's always the case. If you have the fun sitting there and you're raring to go, you'll have a shit spot. If you're kind of on the fence, well, you'll have a you'll have a really good spot. So I have to wait and see. Now, one of the things that I thought when I was looking through at this, um, yeah, the mementos look cool. All of that looks pretty cool. The legits, uh, I was pretty harsh on legits when they first come out with the NFLPAs. Um, they're kind of growing on me. What I think's gonna be a future problem is where do we go down here? So yeah, we do know that the Interlagos track is gonna come out. It's gonna be an official race series, yada yada yada. Um, there's promotion here to download the game to play the racing game. If you're somebody from the Brazilian community who's all about racing, you're all over the stock car series. You love it. You're a fan of these people. You're going to see this and you're going to think, great, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to buy all these and then I'm going to go play the stock car game. And then you're going to download the racing game that we have in Upland. <laughs> What's your initial thoughts going to be? Wow. I've been sent back to the eighties. Um, hopefully the stock car race version that we have is a bit more fleshed out than the the standard version that we're all racing around in our neighbourhoods. I don't know. Do you know if there's going to be... Has there been any talk about that? Is there, is there going to be... Like, are they going to deck it out more with, you know, decor? Or is it going to be... I don't know. I just... I think it's going to be weird. If, if I was somebody who was a major fan of that racing series and I didn't know anything about Upland, but I did follow through and clicked and bought and then downloaded that game. I'd be like, what the hell is this? Am I being too harsh? Nothing wrong with 80s games. No, there was nothing wrong with them in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that, I'll just say, hopefully that it's... um. It comes out as a bit more updated system. I know they're, the team behind it's all working hard to try and get something up and running because there are there is a lot of um, Metaverse platforms out there. Um, Helix was the one that I blanked on. I knew it started with H last week. Uh, the Helix Metaverse, some of the stuff they got going on with cars and whatnot looks just insane. But it goes back to that point you raised too, Lily, about um, 3D immersive worlds. Like if, if we don't really have that in Upland, it needs to be a kick-ass 2D, but we're kind of, we're halfway between both. We're not doing 2D really well, and we're definitely not doing 3D really well. So, yes, a little bit concerned. Yeah, I think we have a long way to go, but, you know, we're not in their brains. We can't, we don't know what they're really going for, so we're just chugging along and seeing what we get. Absolutely. can only play with the cards we're dealt, as they say. All right, now something that I will try and go all in on, of course, is the Totem Reveal Chapter 2. Now, these look pretty cool. Uh, last time we had dragonflies and a palm tree. This time around for Chapter 2, we've got a wolf and toucan. And the wolves, well, I reckon they look pretty pretty damn good. Even the toucans look pretty good. So 
Calling all Uplanders, prepare yourselves for another adventure. Miles and Gaia are about to embark on the next expedition into the Echoes of Darkness. During this journey, they will uncover the secrets leading to the reveal of the next two totem lifelines. Yada, yada, yada. So how to acquire totems. I think we're all over that by now, aren't we? Um, Toucan and Wolf. Yes, they look pretty cool. Um, speaking of FOMO, I did through the week start seeing a lot of people on Twitter sharing images of their properties with totems just stacked up like 5, 10, 15, heaps and heaps of totems stacking up. And I was like, maybe I'm not taking this totem, this whole totem system seriously enough. So I did have a bit of a look on the secondary markets. And of course, the it's where are the best bargains at? It's at USD. Um, the UPX prices, geez, they're triple or more. So that kind of, I just went, no, nah, no, nah, I'll just be patient and see how I go with these next ones. But if you're somebody that's been gobbling up, I think that's going to serve you well. See so, how we go. So I don't think there was any, there's no actual date shared, is there? No. So when is it going to happen? Don't know. In The, the timer did weeks. reset. Timer did reset. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so it's one of those things where save your pennies, flip your properties, get some USD to cover both sides, and first and foremost, make sure once the opportunity comes, make sure you register for it. Um, what do you think? All in on these? Wolves, toucans? I definitely like yep. it. I'm I sure want I can. Oh. Yep. Swiley, what do you reckon? No, I'm sorry. You're saying the timer reset. It, I'm sure I saw one that said it was about a week or something for registration. So I assume just after the stock car, we're going to see the registration for these. So probably over the weekend to early next week. Yeah, last time I looked, I think it was eight days. So that's about six days left, I think. Yeah, that would track. So another 2 a.m. alarm, no doubt. No love for the Southern Hemisphere folks or the Eastern Hemisphere. I always say southern, but everyone corrects me. It's not the it's not a north south thing, it's an east west thing. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. All right. So that's all we got going on for some random stuff. Now Swally is taking over a bit of a segment this week. Have you, Swally? What's going on, mate? All right, I'll have a crack. Um I have prepared a few visual aids for with my advanced paint skills. Um <laughs> So we'll see how I go with it. I'll just try and remember how to share the screen. All right, so. All right, so I think I'm sharing that screen now. Yep. All right, so just put this in perspective. I um I consider myself to be, well, definitely not a top tier treasure hunter. So I think even Lily, some of the things she was saying has got me covered, especially with competitive. But just going to share some, over the hopefully over the next few weeks or so, I'll try and share some small tips that'll help more than newer sort of players understand some of the te more technical aspects of treasure hunting. Um, and this week, I'm just going to focus on the the um, I don't know, what, what do you call the zone around the block explorer, the Ooh, discovery zone, discovery range, yeah, something yeah. like that. So. And I think if people don't give it much thought or don't really look into it, you just assume that it's a circle around your block explorer, which is always a circle. And I did for many months, not realizing 
that I was, I didn't even think I gave it any thought. I just assumed that it was a circle. And it wasn't until another a treasure hunter said on a different stream one day that it's not actually a circle. And if it was a circle, as you can see, and again, this is not drawn to scale by any stretch of the imagination, but if it was just a straight out circle, you can see that that property there obviously isn't showing up as green because it's not within the circle. Yep. So it's actually an oval shape, again, not to scale, but, and as you can see, it doesn't quite fit exactly, but yeah, so the block explorer is actually an oval shape with the oval being north-south rather than east-west. Hmm. So your exploratory zones are longer for the north and south of your block explorer rather than east and west. So why this is important is if you're drifting towards a chest, for the treasure, for the standard treasure hunts especially, and to a small extent, if you want to send to a, if you think you know where the chest is when you're sending to it, you want to drift, if possible, from the north or south, as you'll find that chest slightly quicker, um, as opposed to dressing, uh, drifting east-west. So I know when I'm drifting east-west, if I'm right and a half minutes to drift to a chest, and usually I'm too impatient to wait that long, um, but that'll be up slightly less for the north-south. So to give you a visual indication, like if I landed on that property where I am now, which is one of my properties, a chest that looks closer to my block explorer being that red star would actually not be triggered where the one further away is, which is the yellow star. And that used to drive me crazy. I couldn't understand why that was the case when I first started. I land directly across the road from a chest that didn't, I had to use another send, didn't register that I will trigger it. So and it wasn't until I understood the oval that actually made sense. And yeah, now I don't get that frustration understanding those little nuances with treasure hunting. So that's the first thing I wanted to mention. The second one, oh, why you, and that's right. Um, if you use something like the Taiko tool, which you can see here, just a screenshot of it with all the different properties. If you are doing standard hunting, you can hunt out your cheaper properties and pick your low sends, so save upex. And when you're doing 2000 chests a month, that adds up to quite a bit of upex. So you can, Target north or south of your chest, if you can, even if you know exactly where it is, by knowing exactly where you're going to activate the chest rather than take a guess thinking it's a circle. Anyway, so the second part I wanted to talk about was the send button. So I'd assume that most competitive treasure hunters avoid green properties because that's where the send button tends to move. Yep. Um, again, being, being a standard treasure hunter, I don't really worry about it too much. But it is frustrating when you've got three different. Um, yeah, sorry, that's the spin I wanted. So you've got three different send button locations. One even the one USD for sale ones even you have to open up and send, which is awfully frustrating when you're up against the clock trying to race other people to a chest. So I'd I'd like to see the send button, and to be honest, it has to be the most used button on any property. So why that's not first? I mean, I can't see the people. Will argue that buying and selling is pretty important, but you now that's just a personal opinion. There, I've been um, back when I used to do competitive hunts. I got danged so many times, and it was because I lost fractions of a second clicking on that wrong thing because you're just in like uh, mad panic mode. Yeah, it can be yeah, super, super frustrating. Yeah. So as I said, I assume that proper competitive hunters would just avoid green properties, which yeah. for me is sort of counterintuitive because. 
Drinkus. Drinkus is one of the bit of number one property owner in Queens who has all his properties at the minimum send fee, but his are all for sale, every single one of them. So I tend to target green properties first when I'm looking for something to send to because chances are he owns half the properties in Queens. So, you know, you're a better chance of getting a 20, 20 epic send. So, um, you know, so that brings me to the last one. So this is like a little bit of a extension on that. So one thing, I, this is a swally thought. I told you the other day I had like 10 different ideas of the game. This is just something that I think could make the game a little tiny bit more interesting. You talk about fractions of a second. So when you're sending to your own property, which is the middle um, tab in the there, which is just confirming to send to my own property, or you're sending to someone else's property. Obviously, when you send to someone else's property, it costs a small amount of upics and a send. I don't understand why you need to have the confirm button to send to your own property. Why can't you just click on send and just automatically send to your own property mm. as it doesn't cost a send or any upics? And the reason why I think this would be a good inclusion, and this is more for the competitive treasure hunters, it'll encourage you to have a some because I've heard treasure hunters say that they don't necessarily need a map to to search in the city, and that's true. But if you could have an advantage by having properties, yeah, you have an advantage by not using up sends if you have your own properties. But if you save that fraction of a second too by not having to confirm your send to your own property, give you that just that tiny little advantage for a treasure hunter in a competitive hunt to have a half decent web to be able to send to, if they can save you know, a frat quarter of a second each send they do could be the difference between getting danged or getting the property. That's just my thought anyway. Um, but for someone that uses 80 cents a day plus, you know, I'd like to see that confirmation taken yeah. away from sending to your own properties. But it's one of those quality of life improvements. It'd be one of those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it helps both standard treasure hunters and competitive. Obviously, competitive only a tiny bit, but it could be the difference between getting one or not. I think there should be an advantage for someone that owns a property as opposed to someone that doesn't mm. um, in the area. And we're only talking, what's the difference? A half a second, quarter of a second. So it's only a fraction of a difference, but again, it could be the difference. And then if you're doing standard hunting, where you're sending to your own properties all day long. So, you know, a quarter of a second adds up and you're sending it hundreds of times. So, and if you're not in, like, you can't accidentally, if you accidentally send to your own property when you're not hunting or something like that, well, there's no big deal. Like, so what? And if you're in a different city, we obviously you can't send. So I don't see what the downside is to removing the confirmation for a send to your own property. Yeah. Well, it's just superfluous, isn't it? Because it's not, if you send to your own property, it's not, um, it's, it's not a blockchain transaction. So it's completely unnecessary. It's probably just a case of, um, the existing mechanics are there, so they've just been lazy with the um the coding. Yeah, or maybe they just never thought about it. But mm. I think with, with obviously spending hours a day doing it, with just thinking about it, just to me, it doesn't make sense to have that com confirmation button. I don't think you need it. I don't think it, the game would be better without it. But that's just me, just my thoughts. And if it if other people agreed and it picked up some swell, that'd be awesome. If not, you know, it is what it is. It would also help on um, when you've got city releases, like uh, you know, or expansion areas and that, any sort of thing. Like well, that. exactly right. So you can send your, yeah, you know, if you're doing the leapfrog technique or something like that, hundred percent. Yep. Just again, it's only fractions of a second, but you know, sometimes they can make a difference. And if it doesn't, well, what's lost? I don't see the downside personally, but if you know, other people have opinions on it, I'd love to hear them. 
yeah, if if you're racing for properties, fractions of seconds make a huge difference. So, yeah, no, it's yeah, hundred percent. And that's yeah, um, so that... oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was literally going to say that, and that's my thoughts for this week. So, yeah, that um taco tool that you mentioned—that's something you're using on the web-based version, eh? Yeah, I believe he was going to bring out, and I haven't spoken to him for a while, and I was considering using that as a segment one week. I got to reach out to him again and have a chat with him and see where he's at with it. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been an update for a while. It's a bit clanky. It's a bit laggy. There's definitely disadvantages to using it. Certainly wouldn't use it as a competitive hunter. Absolutely not in a million years. Mm-hmm. As a standard hunter, yes, it can save time, but it can still it still slows it down a bit. Um, but having said that, you can toggle it on, see your lowest thin area, use picturing where that oval sort of shape is, whether you're going to activate the chest or not, if you, even if you know roughly where it is. And it can save it. Instead of clicking on a few different properties, no, that's a, you know, maximum fee, that's no, maximum fee, which is, I hate people that set it at maximum fees. I just think that's so, um, I don't know what the right word is, but you know for a fact that there's no way in hell they're paying maximum fees when they send. So why do they expect other people to pay maximum to their property? It just doesn't make sense. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I, I I've let chess go because I refuse to pay the maximum just out of, out of spite, <laughs> out of, <laughs> yeah. You're not uh, getting my hundred upics, goddamn me! Yeah, I'll, I'll miss out on a potential spark chest just because I don't want to pay you hundred upics. Yeah, I think it's in San Francisco. There's an area in the the bottom right that's Star Labs, I think it is, has just bought up almost an entire neighborhood there and all at the max the max um, fee. So that's one of the areas where you actually, like you said, you you actually look for the green properties because you know that's not one of his properties and it's not going to be yeah. the max. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's but, quite a few of those in Queens as well. So yeah, mm. I bought one right next to it. one bloke owns two blocks side by side, and I bought one right next to it, and I get so many sends to it. Yep. Because people are just hoping that it's not in the middle of the max send fee, and unfortunately it is. But at least I can drift to it if it is one of those. Yeah, I'd, that you're probably not aware, but there was a conspiracy going around. Oh, it's probably six eight months ago something like that oh ben 68's a prick because you know he's his accounts worth this much but he's got all these send fees i forget which city set at the max and i was like which city i was like oh that's just from the city release and i forgot to reset it after the city release like the, the classic thing if you're in a in a city release um, minting battle and especially if you're doing um this there's a tactic i used in chicago if you're doing the prop hop minting um you know, you set them all to max. <laughs> yeah, you set them all to max as you go because people, it's again, you're talking about fractions of, of a second. If they if they think, oh, hang on a minute, you know, it's just all of those little fractions of a second add up, and it's just a case of I just forgot to reset it at the end. So it's not a, not even that too. Like like Abdullah is a player that sets all his properties to minimum fees, which is awesome, and I love that in Queens because he owns so much of Queens. But he's or he or one of his cronies has since gone in and bought up a whole heap of other properties, including in um, Fresh Meadows, which is part of the Uplandia game. Yep. And they've obviously forgotten to set the send fees to minimum there. So he owns like three blocks in a row of all, which is only the default fee. So, but when you're used yep. to landing on all twenties, you're now paying double all of a sudden, and it's an Abdullah property, and you're like, well, he doesn't need my forty. Like, go away. <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially like you when you you're grinding the percentages, and as you said, if you're doing yeah. that many chests a day, it does add up. So. Yeah, well, I did get my send fee down to under twenty one, which is pretty much all but you know one or two sends to twenty. But 
it can be that. And Queens, there's a lot of players have it at set at minimum, which is great. So I reckon there's more than half the properties already at 20. So it's not hard to find a 20. Just a few little pockets here and there that it's not. Yes, and there are. There is another thing too where people um, are using outdoor, not not outdoor decor. They're using the crates, aren't they? They're putting yeah, the especially especially in the new cities. They did that in London and now Tokyo. So if you're hunting in those, so you can look for the crates first. Um, yeah, that's a little um, hunting tip. I guess that's for more you're competitive because you're not when you can see that crate doing competitive, you just go straight for it yeah. instead of clicking on it. No, so yeah. I don't own that many crates, so I can't participate in that little scheme. But Well, that, that is a good segue into what I had as the main topic for tonight, which was crate season 2023. Are you ready? So what do I mean by that? Well, shit, well, it's, it's almost September's almost over. So what's after September? October. And October's always big in Upland for the Halloween events, of course, um, decoration contests, and then not long after we've got Christmas and yada, yada, yada. So it is the kind of the main... Uh, decoration season. Um, this is the first year, I believe, where we're at this end of this, the year and this season. And this is the first time that the crates have been a factor because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think crates came in, might have been February or March of this year. Um, so they weren't a thing for last year. Um, and I said, you know, are you ready to grumble? So what do I mean by that? Well, um, good mate, Umbrella Boy, through the week, he he was um, sharing a tweet or he's retweeting a tweet from the Creedmoor Hub gang. So we've got a tweet here, Creedmoor Hub, Upland. Halloween is coming in Upland. Have you joined Creedmoor Hub yet? Come to Bellarose, Queens, and welcome to the asylum. Uh, it's always awesome. Creedmoor does you know, epic decorations there. Same for Midtown Terrace. We were always decorating the hell out of that. I'm somebody who's spent... Gosh, untold millions of Upex buying up decorations to decorate Midtown Terrace for, you know, Halloween, uh, Genesis Week, Christmas, all of this sort of stuff. I do have properties in Creedmoor. Uh, last year, I did decorate them all, of course. And Umbrella Boys kind of mentioned that as well, you know. Last Halloween, the amount of decorations in Creedmoor broke the game and caused white fling crash chaos. Absolutely. We've seen that in Portage Park with um, the different events, especially Christmas time. And of course that always happens Midtown Terrace as well, because you've got so much property development and so many decorations in a small area. Now I replied to this tweet down here, the whole crate situation has made getting involved in these sorts of things. Another manual grind PITA pain in the ass. There needs to be much more advanced and automated system rather than having to move each individual crate. It's not very advanced web three. It's back to horse and carts. So I've had a good little wine there. Um, why is it a problem? Well, now if you want to decorate your properties, you have to physically one at a time, move a crate over to that property to be able to decorate that property. Um, if you're somebody who, like I just have had a, a structure ornament MetaVenture approved. I've got all of mine on one property getting ready to put them all up for sale. I'd have to delist them all, move them all around. Um, I've got th over 300 properties in Midtown Terrace. Every year prior, I've just decorated the hell out of it. Um, Midtown Terrace is going to be nothing this year because I, I sure as hell aren't going to sit there moving 300-something crates. Um, I probably will move one or two to help in Creedmoor, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be the same. I don't know. Is every, do you love moving crates? Are you, are you all about that? What are you doing? 
you going to get involved? My crates are already on the properties that they decorate. You're good to go? Mm. I'm good to go, yep. Yeah. What about you, Swally? I only have three crates, and I don't think only one's Halloween, so I should be right. Um, but if they're already on the property, does that mean it automatically just appears when the season starts? No, you have to manually... You still have to fit it, yeah. Yeah, you have to put I it I can on. see why... Yeah, I, this is where I feel a little bit bad because when these sales come around, I usually buy one maybe, but I don't get into it too much. Being a much smaller account, I'm more about trying to focus and grow and build properties and try and grow my account rather than spend it on stuff that doesn't return a yield. I don't flip anything. I don't sell anything that I buy. Yes. So, yeah, well, that that's one extreme. Um, like I said, I'm somebody who's gone all in. Um, the UNICEF winter ornament sales, I went gangbusters on, this, on that to decorate Midtown Terrace, as I said. Um, Halloween, Christmas, everything. So I've got over, geez, maybe close to 400 crates. And when I was on holidays in Japan that last time, uh, whenever we were on the train or something, I was just moving a couple at a time. So I spent days and days and days and days moving them over to this property. It's just below mid Tent Terrace. It's in um, Diamond Heights, the neighborhood below. Uh, so I moved them all there, got them all nice to go for my mid Tent Terrace ornaments, MetaVenture. And yeah, I sure as shit, I'm going to sit there moving all those to every property that's all around the place. So personally, I'm a little bit disappointed in that. Um I get it that there had to be a way for them, especially with um, UGC manufacturing. If you're manufacturing structure ornaments like um, Lily's involved in, that there had to be a way to do that. Uh, the kicker was when the crate system first came in, of course, they just dropped them all over the place. <laughs> Bloody crates everywhere. So I spent, as I said, days and days and days tracking them all down, move them over to this property. So I had them all in, all in one place so I could apply. Yeah, I'm not going to spend days and days moving them around Midtown Terrace, Portage Park, everywhere. So kind of sucks that I won't be getting involved. So how could they or what could they do with this? Um, we do know there is transportation mechanics long been talked about, speculated about for outdoor decor map assets. We would assume that's also going to involve moving crates and whatnot. Who knows? Perhaps it will be a system where you can punch it all in and where you go, you send your truck off to deliver it and it's going to show up on your property. But again, it's going to be a very laborious process finding the address one at a time. So I don't know. That's that's kind of my personal wine. So if you are somebody that is looking to get involved in things like Christmas, Halloween, um, yeah, maybe start thinking about trying to move those crates around now before it gets to crunch time because it it does take a lot of work. It takes a hell of a lot of work. And it just it's one of those jobs that it's easy enough to do, but it just eats up the hours. It just eats them up. Hours and hours and hours. Moving little tiny two little tiny bloody things around, especially if you're a mobile player like me, you're scrolling in on these little freaking things. Um it's even like we do know that the the stamps of what the crates are, it is written on them. But on mobile, I mean, this sunny so far you can zoom in. So, <laughs> Pino, I just can imagine just sitting there on my phone, just raging, trying to find out, you know, trying to find one particular item that I want to send to one particular property and I'd have to click on 50 crates to find where it is. Um, there is um, the asset search does help a bit. But again, it's just, just 
eats up the time. So, like I said, if you do want to get involved in that, start moving them now. And don't forget some. Um... Oh, no worries. We got a new member, Wainasa, jumped in. No worries, mate. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. But yeah, crates. Ugh. Something else I have to manually do. I think I said before we kicked off, um, I've got a bunch of out the decor map assets sitting in the San Francisco factory for Samurai Aquatics just staring at me that need to be moved too. And I just keep looking at it and my eyes start twitching. I just don't want to sit there moving them. I want it. I want the transportation mechanics to come in. I want to pay you to have it done. But careful what you wish for. It might be just as bad. Have to wait and see. So that's pretty much all that's happening in Upland. Anything else on your radar that's been happening through the week? Upland-wise? I think everyone's just hanging out, waiting to go, aren't we? We still haven't had the big, massive news about, you know, whatever X1's been banging on about. Uh, any more wild speculation kicking around about that? No, I was just about to ask you about that because um, Dan was doing the same thing again last night in his stream, just banging on about all this top secret stuff that we shouldn't hear about. And like, this is just oh, getting more up. annoying now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it'd want to be bloody good news now, like, the way they've upped it up so much, but... Yes. I hype it up so much. So I, I don't know. I want to get excited, but I'm scared to get excited. Yes, it's always the risk when you hype something up that much. It's going to be a big, massive wow, wow, wow. But you never know. You never know. How about you, Lil? Anything on your radar? No, I. I mean, it could be so many things. So, and the one that Cheese came up with was was a pretty good one. Um, so I just listen to what everybody thinks and go, I'll just wait and see because I can't pin my hopes on anything. You're just going to get let down. Yep. Yeah, well, that's it's one of the, the good points, I suppose. It could literally be anything. It could literally be anything. Who knows? Yeah, I agree with Lily. My hopes are on something to do with Spark and utility of Spark, but, yeah, I agree with Lily. Don't get your hopes up too high. Yes. Save your bickies because... No, it's going to come with a price tag, I would imagine. It'd be nice if it was something to, like like we talked about last week or the week before, it'd be nice if it was something that was, you know, follow up on the roadmap and that. But by the way, they're hyping it up. I think it's going to be some new big, some new big partnership or some new big Web3 development or something like that. Even dark mode. I mean, people have been screaming oh, for dark mode God. for three years now. More, and more. It, even that you know, would be a big thing for, for anybody who, you know, can't stand to look at all that white and blue. Oh. I think the first two things back in the Telegram days, like this is way, way back. So probably within the first couple of weeks of me joining and starting to play, I was requesting dark mode. And can we please get automatic zoom turned off for, especially for treasure hunting on mobiles. <laughs> Sucks. So. Yes, those two, those two things, yeah, that that would be nice. But yeah, imagine everyone would be rioting if that was what was that what would come through? Dark mode, woo! Yes. Well, I don't know. There's a certain percentage of people who actually get headaches looking at the screen, so they would do the woo. Absolutely. Oh, I'd definitely, I'd definitely love it. But it's like, whoa, you you can't hype something like this up this much for something that should have that should have been in from the onset. So. 
Yes, especially, like I say, especially for folks like us, if we stay up or get up at 2 a.m. to do these things, yeah, it can be very jarring on the old 2 a.m. eyeballs. Yes. You talk about partnerships. I really hope it's not a partnership with Gala. Well, they're already in partnership with Gala, so. Oh, are they? Yeah. yeah there was already, what was that, Lil? That was... Um, yeah, that might be before Swali's time. So, yes, that yeah. had a huge money injection from Gala yeah. about a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe a bit more. It's like a blocky avatar-y sort of things. I forget. I'm blanking on the name of what it was, the main project. Um, okay. It must have been before my time. I didn't remember that one at all. But, no, just with their bad flavor at the moment. So that was more tuck-in-check. That... Yeah, no. It's all saying that, but, yeah. Now, there's definitely a tie in there somewhere, whether that's, well, I'd imagine, because like you say, with the legal, you know, what they're going through now, I'd imagine that's all put on the back burner. And a lot of people have said, what about Gala? What about Gala? But then there's there's a very long history of Upland having these partnerships or these kind of things and then nothing comes to it. What about the classic Hyperloop in, what was that? Um, off Chicago, what's that city? Yeah, to Cleveland, yes, Cleveland, and they yeah. still haven't got any movement on that. It just disappeared. <laughs> yes, man. Yeah, that's, that was her whole thing, you know, sign up to be part of the better program, the better within the better it was going to be, and that was, I'm pretty sure that was the only reason Cleveland got released, and, yeah, nothing. So, of course, I would imagine that Upland enters these things with the best of intentions, but a lot of these things are well and truly out of their hands, and we talked about yes uh, last week that you know, Upland is a Web3 company that's trying to survive in the bear market too. And a lot of the projects they're associated with, partnership with, um, they'd be in the same boat and not all of them are going to survive. So, yes. All right. Now, speaking of Web3, we're going to have a look at, I managed to find a couple of pretty interesting articles this week. I'm not going to spend too much time on any one of them. We'll just kind of run through them. Run through them quickly. So what's happening in the wider Web3 sector? Well, what do you know? Uh, Walmart is going to revolutionize retail with expansive commercial strategy in the metaverse. So this is cool. Obviously, companies don't get much bigger than Walmart. Walmart's not a thing down here, of course, but things that happen in Walmart are probably going to spread to Kmart and Target and all of the rest of them. Um, it's usually the case with these things so what is this all about walmart the world's largest retailer by revenue announced today it is experimenting with new ways to connect its customers physically and virtual shopping experiences in the metaverse uh blah 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 blah, blah. the company says that it's aggressively pursuing opportunities in virtual worlds that connect to commerce at its stores and vice versa now this is the point that we've been talking about for a very long time for example customers can now buy some of the same items for their physical house that they can buy for their virtual house in House Flip, which is a mobile game that lets players renovate and sell virtual homes. Customers can also buy virtual clothing items based on Walmart fashion brand Scoop in Zepito, a mobile virtual world that lets players create and customize their avatars. So things like this is, yeah, you're going to go and buy your shoes in, you know, your in real life shoes. It's going to have a QR code where you can wear those same NFT-based shoes on your 3D avatar in whatever metaverse you're in, blah, 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 or vice versa. If you buy a, if you buy an NFT, then perhaps that's going to give you some, you know, 
token voucher or whatever to go into the actual in real life store and get some sort of kickback from that as well. So that definitely appears that this is what this is all about. So not only are they looking to develop new ways to meet and engage with customers, but yeah, they're looking to experiment with a new type of commerce, virtual commerce, one where customers can not only continue buying virtual goods like clothing for their avatar, but now their real world counterpart. Yep. So I think all of this is really cool. What do you think about this, Lily? You're somebody that's heavily involved in the this sort of aspect of creating stuff for virtual worlds. Yeah, I really like it. I, mm. I think it's good. But on the other hand, as a person who um, I don't shop, so um, if I want something, I just make it myself, except for clothing. I do go and buy clothing. Um but not a lot of it. I don't get changed very often. <laughs> Would it tempt you? Like if, if you could go to Kmart, you know, and you could buy whatever it was and there was some kind of virtual, you know, twinning of that item, would that would that tempt you to get out and shop more or vice versa? Um, well, it would have to be something that I actually wear. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I do have a lot of clothing that is similar to something I would wear in real life. Mm. But then I have a lot of fantasy clothing too <laughs> that I would never wear in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think for us uh, oldies in air quotes, probably not a huge thing. But if you're talking about the younger generations, the kids, it's all over Roblox and all that um, that are heavily engaged with these. Uh, Fortnite, yada, yada, yada. You talk about any of that sort of stuff. This is going to be absolutely monumental. So, yeah, I think this is really cool. So what does it say here? Um, we're not trying to replace or isolate the reality with virtual, but rather connect it and make it better for the customer. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So, yes, interesting to see. Uh, like I said, companies don't get much bigger than Walmart, so that's pretty cool. And if they're going to go ahead and do something like this, well, then many other of the big, massive commercial retailers will follow suit. So that's cool. In other news... Now, the headline here is Chinese government looks to establish metaverse industry standards. So what do I care about this? Well, it's kind of interesting because if we go back to Upland, well, we know that Upland's heavily involved in trying to establish metaverse industry standards. They've done this with um, what I've got here, which is their open metaverse alliance for Web3 called OMA3. This is exactly what this is. There's a whole bunch of metaverses getting together to try and find um, you know, similarities or create different rules or things that are going to transfer across them all. So it's interesting that China's just going it alone. Uh, what does it say? Yeah, three intends to join the recently announced Metaverse Standards Forum to participate and contribute to the general standardization work of this broader group, as well as other standard groups that are working on relevant topics for the Metaverse. Um, so yeah, China's just going it alone though which, you know, China is pumping bazillions into all of this sort of stuff. Um, there is the kind of greasy um, digital currency, social credit scores part of it. But um, yes, it's kind of cool that they are trying to find some kind of standards. So this, this is one of the problems that 
kind of comes up a lot whenever you talk about metaverses. Uh, the lack of clear definitions within the metaverse industry has allowed certain individuals and businesses to drum up speculation. Yeah, well, it's, currently it's all speculation, isn't it? So, yeah, I just thought it's interesting that yeah, something as big as the Chinese government is looking to do something that many of the other, should we say, established metaverse communities are already doing. And I do have another one here too, because we know that Upland is also involved in the species.io foundation, which is about getting standardized things for animals, plants, blah, 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 blah. So there you go. I wonder maybe um, that big September news, maybe it's got something to do with this. Who knows? Now that we've got more... Now that we've got more um, with the totems, different animals coming in, maybe pets, pets coming into Upland. Who knows? The mind boggles. Yeah, I have so many pets in Second Life that they're, they're still in crates not being birthed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It, it, you just end up with too many that, um, you know, you just have to give up. Well, that's kind of like me <laughs> with my in... actual crates. Yeah. So you turn them all into to pets. There's a difference between um, breeding and pets. So breeding means that they just keep breeding and you just keep getting more. <laughs> and pet means you basically never have to feed it again and it just stays there as, you know, follows you around and plays ball and fits a dog and all that kind of stuff. But you don't ever have to feed it again. But as long as it's breeding, you have to make sure it's fed and watered and, like, it, it ends up just too much and you just end up with all these crates everywhere. Yep. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. All right. There's a couple more to go through. So this one's particularly relevant to us because this is an Australian article. So cryptocurrency, NFTs and tax. Now, I've been banging on about this for years and years and years to be careful of what you do here. So Mark Chapman, Director of Tax Communications at H&R Block, examines the tax tax implications for NFT and cryptocurrencies. At this stage in the game, the all of the requirements for crypto is pretty well established in our neck of the woods. Um, we have been talking about, well, how are they actually going to deal with NFTs though? So where are we going to, so I'm going to skip over all the crypto stuff because like I said, everything, even there's pretty established. Basically, any trade you do is potentially a taxable event, either a capital gain or a capital loss. And the head subheading here is how does the tax treatment of NFTs differ? NFTs, non-fungible tokens, uh, another type of crypto assets, uh, blah, 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 blah. NFTs typically record ownership. Yes, we know all that. Tax treatment of NFTs follows the same general principles as cryptocurrencies. If the token is created or acquired as an investment, it will be subject to the capital gains tax rules on disposal. Whereas if the token is created or acquired as part of a business, it will be subject to income tax. Okay. So what do we care about this? Well, in Upland, we are buying and selling property card NFTs and even block explorer NFTs, legit NFTs. It's all NFTs. Everything's an NFT. So if the token is created, meaning the NFT is created or acquired as an investment, it will be subject to the capital gains tax rules on disposal. Well, I don't think anybody's buying or selling things in Upland for not an investment. Um, how you want to define investment is up to you, but I think it'd be pretty hard to argue the case that it's not an investment. 
On disposal, now this is where it kind of gets a bit interesting. Now, does this mean on disposal within the app? If we're buying for UPX, which is an in-game currency, and we're selling for UPX, which is an in-game currency, it does not have a, a specifically externally tied fiat value to it, but it kind of does. I don't know. That could get very scary very quickly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in-game currency doesn't count. Yeah, we would hope. We would hope so. Um, but does it mean if you're buying, if like like what I do, if if I'm buying a property with my, I I get my daily dividends. I get my sixty-eight thousand upex a day daily dividends. Part of that I buy properties for with UPX in-game currency, but then I sell that for USD. So my my cost basis there is zero. I'm selling for USD, but I'm not taking the USD out. If I was then to buy a totem pass or something with the USD, um, that is a fiat currency, is that a taxable event? Should I be tracking all of those buys and sales? That's a maybe. Yeah, that is a big maybe. Yeah, that's a bit iffy, yeah. Um, it's really, really... Um, I mean, I before know. you would say until it comes out of the game, it's not real, even if it's in USD. But yeah. it is an iffy place to be. It is very iffy. Yeah, I, I have been. I have been proceeding with the cases. I'm not going to. I'm not going to claim it or you know put it out there until I've pulled it out of the actual ecosystem to my bank account. But you just don't know with um with the way that these things evolve. Like I said, the, the crypto the crypto um, kind of ecosystem is well established with the tax. Most of your tax agents now, they should have some idea of what to do. It's not like it was two, three, four years ago where you go and talk to your old mate, the tax department guy, and they just got zero clue whatsoever. Now pretty much that's pretty established rules. But NFTs, and especially like Upland with all of these in-game mechanics and all of these di different things, um, Web3 projects, it's it's so that the, the tech is far outpacing of the regulators. So I don't know. It's it's just something to be wary of because yeah, it, it could get very messy very quickly. Um, there's all these people that they rent their spark out and they buy buy and sell uh, burner properties in USD to pay for that. Um, it is an in-game thing. You're it's a service you're paying in-game, but there is a transaction there. I don't know. Yeah, imagine handing your records from the blockchain, printing them out and taking them off to your tax office and say, this code means, th means this, this code means this, this code means this. Can you figure it out for me? <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, if I imagine that if you're not a treasure hunter, imagine if you are a treasure hunter. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just a wow moment. Um, there are a lot of very smart people out there. I'm sure somebody in the community would create a third-party tool that could do all that for you, but then you'd still have to. It's it's USD. Now, I got into, I got trapped with this with um, with crypto based on the advice, the wrong advice that the ATO gave me. And then imagine trying to go back and dealing with potentially thousands of transactions 
that happened in USD, but then you got to work out the the AUD, the Australian dollar equivalent at that time, you know, <laughs> at that conversion rate. Oh man, that's I'd shudder just thinking about it. So no, that's very very scary. I th- I think it's it's this it has a couple of examples here that's more like the classic. Um, you know, Ethereum-based NFTs, where you buy an Ethereum thing on OpenSea for such and such a price, you buy it for 0.5 Ethereum and you sell it for 10 Ethereum or whatever that might be. That That's fair enough. That's very easy to track and pretty easy to get the, the Australian dollar equivalent on that sort of stuff too. But when you're talking about these gamified systems, yeah, wow, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. So yeah, it doesn't go into a whole lot of details there. Um, yeah, just uh, proceed with course. And, and like I, I said the last time we were kind of talking about tax stuff too, just make sure at the very least, if you are pulling out any USD that you track all of that at the time of pulling that out, track how much, because there are fees involved there in the game. So track how much you pulled out in Upland money, track how much it is in Tilia money, track how much it is in PayPal money, track how much it is for the switch over to, to AUD after you've paid all the fees and whatnot. Um, that should be the very the very bare minimum that you can do or that you should do. Not that that's financial advice. Do your own research, of course, but yeah. Something to look out for. Now, that's kind of shitty, kind of newsy. Let's get on to some fun stuff. So... If you're into Formula One like I am, Honda is going to launch a bunch of NFTs for the Japanese Formula One. Uh, oh, who's that? Somebody jumped in, but it went all robot. So this looks pretty cool. So in celebration of its Formula One legacy, Honda Motor, Co- Motor Company plans to distribute special edition NFTs to fans during upcoming races in Japan. So it seems like you have to be there. So it's a, like a PO app. Uh, proof of attendance. So according to a recent Animoca Brands announcement, oh, that's nice that there's a tie-in there. The Formula One, Honda, and Red Bull welcome event in Tokyo on September 20. Honda will distribute, that's today, Honda will distribute limited edition NFTs to all attendees. Fans must enter a lottery to purchase event tickets to be eligible for the exclusive digital collectibles. Honda partnered with Animoca Brands Japan. Ooh, Honda, Animoca. Formula One, Upland, come on. That's something I'd FOMO into. So that's cool. What else does it say? As Honda, Formula One chapter ends, the company embraces Web3 tech. Yet Formula One, there's a whole bunch of Formula One teams that are sponsored by crypto companies. Um, There has been Mercedes has done a hell of a lot of stuff in the NFT space, famously with FTX, of course, that didn't work out very well. Um, but yes, a lot of these Formula One teams are getting in, involved in Web3 and NFTs. And if you're somebody who watched the One and Chi show back in the day, you would have seen me constantly going on about, don't forget to go and get your McLaren collectibles. I've been collecting mine every race. Um, the, we just had the Singapore Grand Prix, of course. Now, these are free, these ones. All you have to do is go to, over to collectibles.mclaren.com and during the race weekend, at any stage during the race weekend, it's pretty easy to do. You can sign in with your Google account and it automatically creates you a wallet and you can just claim them. Not these ones. I purchased these as packs, but that Singapore one 
and then a whole bunch of all of the other races too. These were all for free. And if you are somebody who can collect all of those, um, you do go in the running for various prizes and this, that, and the other thing. So there are lots and lots of different projects out there that you can get involved in. Um, I would expect uh, maybe you're not it. Maybe you're not a fan of Formula One. Maybe you're a fan of I don't know American football or something. Um, this is where it's all headed. All of these kind of big major sports teams, whether it be the UFC or any of that sort of stuff, it's I think it's all going to head this way. I don't know. I'm a motor racing fan. I know Lily's a bit of a motor racing fan. Is there any other sports or things you you'd love to get some expertise for? Swally, what are you all into? Um, to be honest, not really. I used to be into obviously NRL, but no, I'm not all that. I'm more into the this sort of upland thing, which is the play to earn type game. So that's where my focus is. So I ha I am involved in other platforms like this with NFTs, but yeah, the collection ones not so much. Yeah, it goes back to like I'm sure you were saying back in the day, you'd get your little packet with the bubble gum in it. You get your five or six cards, whether it be cricket cards, football cards, or whatever. I think it's it's just going to be the future extension of all that sort of system. Yeah, I, I agree, and I can see that happening with the NRLs and like that. But I just uh, I just remember being a kid and having that. You'd have it in a folder and you'd swap and like I just yeah, I I don't get it at the moment, but. Um, well, I'm sure it will take off. Well, wasn't it the case with some of those things? Once you had the full set or you could get the proper folder for it, the official folder, this, that, and the other thing. I know, what is it? Woolworths does that or Coles with some of those bloody collectibles things they do every year. Drives me nuts. I still have a tub in my garage full of football carts from when <laughs> yeah. I was a kid and I don't know what to do with them. I've sort of got online. Like This is from the 90s early 90s and I've got online to see if they're worth anything and as far as I can tell they're not and there's a couple of years I've got the full set there and I'm like and even a few signed ones but I'm just I don't think there's any value there but again Australia's only a small market compared to the world which obviously Formula One much bigger market um look had I learned about it early on with you I probably would have gone along and clicked them all because I were free but only because I were free mm. um and who knows what that would have led to but yeah I think so. it's the, it's one of those things again where it's probably the system's not going to be designed for us oldies i'm using that word again but it's probably more for the kids these days like i know even my two sons and even my daughter now they can get different things on roblox and it's all about um if you get so many of these things you get a different badge or something that you can use on your avatar and it was kind of the same when i went to universal studios japan the whole mario world there you you buy this special band and you do all these little challenges and you just get a little, it's like a little collector card that you can show people, hey, look what I got. That's kind of comes back to almost Poappy sort of thing. So yeah, I don't think it's necessarily for us, but it's something that's going to be pretty big in the future, I would imagine. Yeah, especially if they develop utility. I used to talk about winning prizes if you get the whole collection. So yep. I guess there is an argument that I could go and buy what I've missed so far and then collect the rest or something. But yep. Um, yeah, I think I'm just a bit late on that one. But as I said, I truly believe that the future is play to earn and people will have a full-time job playing games. I think in the next decade or so, that's definitely where the future is going. Um, and I think this is just the start of it. Yeah, I guess it depends a lot on if secondary markets established. Like, like, like I could easily foresee in the future, like 
maybe it's a football team or whatever. And if you collect all of those cards, the, the virtual NFT cards, however you do in say Roblox or whatever, well, maybe you unlock some kind of shirt or team shirt that you could use on your avatar. Well, if there's a secondary market that you can then go and sell that to other people who maybe missed out or like, even if you just had some of the cards and like you just said there, maybe you're missing two or three, if you could sell those. Um, yeah. It's going to be very interesting where it all heads. All right. So that's web three news. So we're going to click on some meat of the meat suit of news, as I call it. Um, something different this week. I just thought I'd click on and see what are some of the main headlines. So what's making news in Australia no question, AI is here to stay in education, but more research is needed, university bodies say. Um, I work in education and I can I keep banging on about that um, AI has completely changed how I interact on a daily sort of basis with some of the stuff I do. So, yeah, um, it's interesting. I don't know how – I'm glad I finished all my university before ChatGPT came around because that's – that would be very hard to resist diving right into that kind of system. So that's what's happening in Australia. That stuck out. Um, what's happening in New Zealand? Headline in New Zealand, Singapore Airlines offers 2,000 refund to couples seated beside snorting, farting dog. <laughs> a Kiwi couple who found themselves seated next to a flatulent dog in the premium economy cabin of a Singapore Airlines flight have finally been offered a refund. Good on ya. And what's been happening in Japan? Unfortunately, two dead, three injured after steel beams fall at a Tokyo construction site. Oh, yowch. Yes, the in real life version of construction is a lot more dangerous than the metaverse version. That is for sure. All right. Now, last week I thought, all right, we're at the end of that and it's time to wrap up. But I remembered this week that we've got a few extra things to do. So this week's quips, if you don't know what quips are, quips stand for questions, insights, provocations, and statements that we can dive into on this show. Um, we are out now. Um, I think today's one is the last one that was in the Google form list. So if you have a question, an insight, provocation, or a statement, and you want to get yourself a prize, and click on that link to the Google form and drop something in there. And you might win, just like this week. Angry Ursia asks, could you cover some of the pre-processes and lessons learned in manufacturing? Goes on to say, you shared some screenshots a while back, but it would be helpful for prospective manufacturers to know what they are getting into. That is a very good point they're getting into. So... Manufacturing in Upland. Um, I'm somebody who applied for the very first opportunity to get involved in user-generated content. Jeez, way, 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 way back in the day. And then nothing happened for two years and then everything happened all at once. Um, Lily, you're heavily involved in that now. So maybe you can add some perspective on that as well. Oh, what no, you... no. I don't have any open factories yet. Well, I've been submitting models, but that, the factories are still not open. But that's a perfect that's a perfect um, insight, which is what they're asking. So, what are some insights into manufacturing? Patience. Everything <laughs> takes it. Well, the stores are open, yep. so I'm going to be paying dues on stores which go with factories, but the factories are still not open and producing, so they're empty. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Yeah, there's so much to unpack there for manufacturing. Um, maybe if somebody had some more specifically directed questions. So what are the main aspects of manufacturing? Well, okay, you, you need to have some idea of what you want to make or at least what you want to sell. Um, there's a lot of people now doing kind of cookie cutter. Here's some assets. Buy this for $5 and you can sell it however you want. There's people doing that. There is a lot of teams working to build stuff for specific projects. Um, there's places like Samurai Aquatics where we kind of just tend to build what we're interested in. Um, so there's many different opportunities there. You can go to places like Fiverr and pay for 3D content as well for your designs. I personally wouldn't recommend that process because the submission process is pretty... Um, uh, it's it's not as easy as it sounds. Like the, the requirements for it are ever-changing. So I know that the way that I submitted our designs way back in the day is definitely not the same as they are now. And in fact, we have had some designs that were submitted under the old system. And I've got a couple of emails recently saying, how, hey, um, this is all ready to go, but can you run it through the new system? And now what was perfectly okay for the old system is not perfectly okay for the new system. And poor old DTEC is pretty much having to redo several of these things from scratch again. So um, yeah, you need to have some idea of what you want to make. Um, there's a lot involved in working out your schemas. Like you have to tell Upland if you want to make chairs, you need to tell them pretty much every iteration of chair you want to make to the best of your ability, what colors you want to do, what sizes, what designs. Um, you need to be able to have at least a plan for that all up front. And then, of course, you need to work out what pricing you're going to do. And that's just for the design process. Like if you're somebody who's not a 3D designer, you're going to have to work with other people. So that opens up the whole drama of, you know, dealing with other people's schedules. Um some people come into projects with the best of intentions, but then of course in real life um, intervenes and you know people can't do what they signed up to do or it becomes challenging. So there's that whole thing. So that's just the manufacturing part. So even then you got to have, if, if you're a UGC content creator, that's going to be creating and selling, you need to have a property that's big enough to hold a factory that can produce these things. Um, oh, I, I shared a, I should have got it ready for this actually, because I knew it was coming on. I believe I tweeted it or I might've shared it in the MVA server. I'm seeing the more and more I look around, I'm seeing factories on properties where the factory or the showroom takes up the entire footprint of the property. I'm like, what, what are you doing? You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to make or sell anything. You need an actual footprint on there that has space left for inventory. So I just see a whole bunch of people getting wrecked there. Um, another aspect is I still seeing people putting small factories on properties that are clearly big enough to put a medium or even a large factory. Um, and some people say, well, it's because I've only got, I don't have much spark, but you should always be planning for expanding. If you're building a small factory, I believe the maximum spark to put on a small factory is two spark. And when we were first able to manufacture things, um, that's all we could build was a small factory. So I'd build a small factory. And then 
we could only use two spark and we couldn't make anything. It was like two items every week or something ridiculous. So we upgraded to a medium factory as soon as we could. And then just after we finished the medium factory, um, what do you know? There's a large factory. So that was, that was the whole thing. Um, if your property can fit a large factory or a medium factory and still have a decent area, um, I think you should at least have at least half of the property be free and available to store stock on. Because like I said, moving stock is a currently a pain in the ass. And if you don't have any room, well, you're not going to be able to churn, churn your inventory over. So yeah, you got to have a big enough property, as I said, for a factory and a showroom. It takes a crap ton of spark hours just to build those. Um, and then of course you've got to have spark to run them. Uh, minimum spark correct me if i'm wrong ugc now is it at five spark minimum am i right in thinking that yeah they want you to have five when you apply yeah which is that's a chunk of change unless you're going to grind it out that's you know two and a half grand something like that that's, that's a lot of money um if you're going to buy it from scratch so yeah there's a lot to take into consideration there i get dms constantly hey i've got this factory in bakersfield do you want to buy it i'm like uh no like well nobody wants to buy my factory like well why did you build a factory if if you have no intention of doing anything with factories i think you're just crazy to build one because the supply of factories is just outrageous at the moment um so yes so you need to have the properties of course you need to have a plan you need to have spark and then you just need a big, massive, big, massive bag of patience because the the process, as far as submitting designs, you get the automated email. Yeah, that's all good. It's all good to go. Um, in my case, it took years. Uh, now it's taking months and months and months. You have you have items waiting to be like they've been approved and they're in the system, but they're not yet ready for the factories. Really? Not approved. Not approved. Um, su submitted. Yeah. And yeah, the factory has already been four months. So I stopped waiting and just started submitting models. Yeah. So it's a long just time ago. Limbo. Just in limbo. Yeah. yeah. And the, the kicker is too, like we have, in the past, we have, you know, we've worked together as a team. We've created these. We've sent them. We've sent them to Upland. In the old system, they've been approved. And because we're in the better, it was only of the 10 better participants that were in the original outdoor decor, there was probably only five of those that were still active in much of any capacity. So it was very personalized kind of backwards and forth. So Jennifer at the time would say, hey, this is what your assets are going to look like in game. Is that okay to proceed? And we we're like, whoa, 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 the scale on those is way off. Um, so we pulled back and got those all fixed up. Um, I know Los Montanas has been impacted with scaling on some of his items. Uh, I would hope under this new system that's that's all been rectified. Although, no, that did happen to did happen a DTEC with one of his buildings. That's not technically manufacturing, though, is it? Because that was a building. But his building got squashed and the door was a, like a gnome-sized door compared to the apartment door. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's still very much an evolving process, but you need a whole bunch of patience. And then 
you don't actually get told you, well previously we haven't been told in some cases that okay your item is now ready to be manufactured it's in your factory's inventory list i've just been scrolling through randomly and thought oh what do you know it's here ready it's ready to go so yes I don't know. Is there anything else I'm missing there? Is there any, any other early questions? on? I did have some models early on that were approved and then unapproved under the original system. Yes. Is that the ones where it was the, like the stone garden where it was like a big massive thing cut into four sections? Yes. Yeah. Into four sections that would all fit on the back of a truck. Yes. And that got, yeah, that was, well, we were told you, you you can't manufacture anything that can't be moved. I'm like, okay, it's got to be like a temporary thing. So when we submitted our pool and whatnot, we, we made sure we called it a portable pool. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, well, mine had water, but it was only like an inch deep. Yeah. The water was only like an inch deep. And so that's like, you know, in your backyard if you – put in a tiny little piece of plastic and pour water in it so. yes yeah and it, it couldn't have nothing representing life which which is funny because my original business pitch that i submitted was outdoor pools and outdoor garden ponds with um and i had like the different rarities we're going to have okay so this pond has lily pads and if you know a better rarity has lily pads and koi fish and this one has lily pads, koi fish, and a fountain. And that was in my original pitch, and all of that was approved way, way back in the day. And then it came time to, okay, you can start making your stuff, but by the way, now you can't have any water or any living things. And we're just like, what the? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that's been taken care of now. Um, you can't have anything shiny. I believe shiny metal things are still a no-go, which I don't know why, for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, that. There's a lot more involved than you think. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things that you, if you're all about UGC manufacturing, um, yeah, absolutely get involved with it. I think it's a very good opportunity. You, at the very least, you're going to learn a whole bunch of skills. Um, but, yeah, there's however long you think something's going to take you, times it by 10 and you might come close. Um However much drama you think is going to be involved in getting done times by 10, you might even be close. Um, it takes a hell of a lot. Yeah, I'm just sticking to the submit what I actually want and if anybody else buys that, fine. But as long as I've got it, even if I make 250 of them and I own all 250, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, well, we talked about it back in the day too when we first started getting our items ready. Um like you just said, we wanted to make stuff that we wanted to have. We knew that there was going to be waves of competition, um, not just from the UGC community, but we fully expect that, you know, in the future there, there's going to be partnerships signed with, you know, not necessarily big furniture manufacturers, Ikea or whatever, but something like that where you're going to have kind of cookie cutter decor or map assets out there. I, I think that's still going to be the case. Um, so yeah, you, you gotta be happy with what you do. A lot of the stuff that I see being sold about the place is just seems like it's has no real purpose. It's just like, Hey, you can make this stuff. Yeah. But why? So yeah, I think that's a good point. 
So it just goes back to what I said, have a, have a plan. Well, what do you actually want to do? Find your niche. Maybe you're all about, I don't know, gnomes or something. I don't know. Bird baths or something. Who knows? Possibilities are endless. But if you start at what, what Lily just said there, what do you actually want on your property? I think that's a pretty good place to start. But yes, the biggest one that I see that I people just keep falling for is yeah don't don't build a small factory on a large property and don't on the flip side don't build a well don't completely fill your property up with the structure you're building whether that be a factory or a showroom because you're not going to be able to do anything with it and basically you've just eaten a whole bunch of spark hours for nothing all right, so thank you for that, Angry Ursia. I hope there was a bit of ranting and raving there. I hope we covered some of the things. Like I said, if, if there's some specific information you want about some specific aspects of manufacturing, please let me know and we'll follow up. Um, Angry Ursia's grabbed himself 5,000 Apex. Other than that, we're going to try and wrap this up. Uh, last week's challenge was to get yourself into the NBA server and let us know what your tips and tricks were for saving or conserving your UPEX balance. And the price is going to be 5,000 UPEX after fees. So let me exit on a few of these. And the wheel's still up. You beauty. That always helps when that doesn't reload. Let's give away 5,000 UPEX. Let's see who's going to win. Oh, Swally's just missed it. I think Caesar's grabbed it again. Congratulations, Caesar. Now I should be able to go over and we'll see what Caesar said there. Where is he? Da, 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 da. There he is, Caesar. Caesar says, I really spending Apex on, huh? I really spending Apex on already existing cities buying properties from the secondary market for dollars, then the yield and treasure hunt profit is saved up for new cities. I think Caesar might've been drunk when he wrote that. I, I rarely spend UPEX on already existing cities. Oh, okay, I see what he means there. So he doesn't buy on the secondary markets. Buying properties from the secondary market for dollars. Yes, under mint, I would imagine he says, and then the yield and treasure hunt profit is saved. Ah, oh, yeah, for new city releases. Okay, so he's all about the flippage. Very good. And just while we're there, we'll check it in cast. My tip is to do as you just did and remind myself of everything yet to be unrolled. Yeah, thank you for reminding me that Halloween is the time that I want my back stashed away. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's that. But we need to give away some more. Well, oh, pardon me. Let's give away another prize. So who did we have in the chat today? We had Swali. We had Maui. We had Laban. Who else did I write down? Swali, Maui, Laban, Lily. Lily, Lily, Lily. And new person, Wayne Nasa. I probably spelled that wrong. And I'm going to do the same as I did last week. I'll put myself in there. Ooh, that's not Ben 68. And if it lands on. If it lands on that, I'll double the prize. I'll roll it again, double the prize. One more. So I'll do that while we're here. Another 5,000. Oh, and I got a 5,000 for Angry Ursia too before I forget. Ah. 
Congratulations, Maui. 5,000 on the way for you as well. Not top it up this week. My Apex balance breathes a little sigh of relief. So that was last week's challenge, of course. Um, in this week's challenge, again, get yourself in the contest channel in the NBA server and let us know if and how you're going to get involved in crate season 2023. If and how you're going to get involved in crate season 2023. If you're not going to get involved, of course, you can just put that in there too and you'll go in the rise or in the running for the prize on next week's wheel. That's all I've got this week. Um, I don't know. Lily, Swally, nothing else you want to touch on? No, I'm good. Thanks for the show. No worries. Thank good you. Look. No worries. Oh, did yeah. New Zealand have, an, have another earthquake this morning? I don't know. I think they did. It's not those laser beams out the sky again that's burnt. Apparently, that's what everyone, the, the tinfoil hatters are saying. It's a directed energy beam that created the earthquakes in New Zealand and the fires in Maui. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't heard that. <laughs> you haven't? Oh, my God. That's a whole Twitter thing that's kicking off too. My algorithm oh. on Twitter is just, it's out there. Obviously, I, I didn't go down the rabbit hole on the UFO thing enough to get to that. Yes, it's all tied in. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm not sure. All right. With that being said, um, a reminder that you are, if you are in a time zone that fits in with the Wednesday night recording schedule of starting at 7.30 p.m. AEST and you'd like to get involved, the link to the weekly Zoom will always be dropped in the NBA server about 15 minutes before the show starts. And don't forget also that if you have an Upland NFT or Metaverse product service or event to promote or you're just somebody who's engaged in Web3 who'd like to have a chat, opportunities are always available to jump on this podcast or the new the metaverse and beyond podcast just send me a dm on discord or drop a comment in the youtubes to discuss and secure your spots good luck if you're getting up for the or if you're staying up or you're waking up for the stock car pro series good luck for you and um i would believe we'll probably talk before that again before the totem release but we'll see how we go all righty laters This entertainment production is brought to you today by the Samurai Aquatics and Decor MetaVenture. Scan that QR code or click that link in the description and dive yourself headfirst into the Samurai Aquatics Discord server to pleasure your peepers on our current and future range of outdoor decor.